listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdainig. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdainig. Hello, a very good evening to you. You're very welcome along to the Arts Show. Coming up this evening, we have something of a literary theme. In just a few minutes, we'll be meeting local writer Quilin O'Mahony. And then a little later on, we'll be profiling Irish-Australian author who lives in Inishtig, Brendan Casey. And we're feeling extremely generous on the show this evening. I have some tickets to give away. So Carlo Little Theatre Theatre have one act plays coming to Kilkenny this weekend. I'm going to give you more detail on those and an opportunity to win tickets that's coming up later on in the show. But I also have two pairs of tickets to give away to British folk band The Unthanks. They're also coming to Kilkenny. They're coming next week on Thursday, October the 5th. And the lovely people at the Watergate have generously given us tickets to see them. So if you fancy being in with a chance to win a pair of those tickets, the number you need is 083 3069696. You can text us in with your name and we'll throw it into our hat. And if your appetite needs just a little bit of wetting, we're going to kick off this evening with a track from the group who have been described. I thought this was so interesting when I went on to their website. They were described by Martin Freeman. I presume that's he of The Office and The Hobbit and uh, Sherlock. They're the main things that I remember him from. Anyway, he described them as being capable of such beauty that sometimes I can hardly bear to listen to them. Well, hopefully you can not only bear, but enjoy listening to them. Here they are with the old news. This one is from their most recent album, Sorrows Away. So enjoy this. Now, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Kilkenny-based writer Quilin O'Mahony. She hasn't been published just yet, but last year she was selected by the Irish Writers' Centre to receive professional literary mentoring over an eight-month period. So she's here to tell us about that and the struggle and juggle involved in writing whilst working and mothering and all those other things as well. Quilin, welcome to studio. Oh, thanks so much for having me on the show. Una. It's a great pleasure. And as I said, you're, you're mothering, you're working, you're also writing. Yeah. It's a lot, I'm imagining. It is, yeah. Um, you know, I've got the day job and my son is a teenager now, which maybe it's not so as hard as, you know, smaller children, but you're still kind of doing the runaround. So I am sometimes, um, you know, working on a novel on my phone in my car while he's, you know, doing after school, whatever, you know, like his kickboxing and things. Um, and yeah, you can actually manage it. You'd be surprised. You're trying to steal moments here and there. Exactly. To be creative. Yeah. Take me back a little bit, Quilin. So how did you start writing and, and when did that happen? Um, like I always wanted to be a writer and I always kind of saw myself one day having a book written, but I never actually went about it until I was in my 30s. I just kind of woke up one day and was like, well, I really thought I would have had something done by now. I should really do something about that. So, you know, I made some changes. I went from working full time to working reduced hours and I started kind of really trying to work on my writing practice, you know, trying to write every day or most days. Um, and it, it was kind of difficult at first, to be honest, because my early writing wasn't as good as I wanted it to be 
Um, and it just knowing where to start, I suppose. But yeah, I've been doing it a few years now and it's kind of starting to get to the point now that it's, I feel like it's taken off and it's exciting. Um, so that's great. Well, it's definitely taking off and we're going to come to talk about the mentorship programme in just a moment. But I need to delve a bit deeper on how you actually, so you always from a very young age had the idea that you may write something and that there was a book in you. That sounds like you had quite a lot of confidence in your own ability. Is that fair to say? Um, I suppose as a, a child, yes. And then I did try and write some things as a teenager and maybe that's when I lost my confidence a little bit. Um, and then in college, I mean, after college, things just kind of life took over. Do you know what I mean? And you, you have your family and you're getting a job to pay the bills. And yeah, I kind of got off track for a while, but it feels good to be back on track now for sure. Um, but yeah, I just always loved reading and I always loved science fiction and fantasy, particularly even from when I was tiny. Um, so I've always kind of been daydreaming about different plots and different characters and kind of world building type stuff. Um, so it's nice to kind of allow myself some space and time to actually sit down and try and put some of that to paper and then hopefully share it with people, you know, because it's it's whatever about writing something just for yourself it, it's really nice and more fun I think if you can share it with other people who are going to love it too Absolutely so who would you have read as a child as a young person because that's quite an unusual I think genre <laughs> for somebody maybe well well, I, I say that because I don't know much about it I suppose but it wouldn't strike me as the typical starting point for a writer Maybe not um, I was exposed to it quite young I remember kind of stealing my brother's copy of A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when I was in primary school and sneaking into school and reading on my lunch breaks and I was trying to convince my friends to read it too. I was like, oh, there's a talking mattress. It's so cool. Nobody understands him though. He's got his own language and, you know, no takers whatsoever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved it. So that was one thing I read. And then as a teenager, so I was probably read Anne McCaffrey a lot. And then um, I watched Star Trek, love Star Trek. And my brother used to play Discworld Mud, which was... Um, a multiplayer online game, but it was all text-based and um, based on Terry Pratchett's Discworld series. Um, so I heard a lot about that and I tried playing it myself and yeah, it, it, was, it was great fun. So yeah, science fiction fantasy has always been like a big part of my life um, to the point now that I'm so kind of immersed in the whole fandom that I forget that it's not particularly usual. So. Okay, well, isn't that a wonderful place to be where, where it's so normal and natural to you that it, it comes, I imagine, a little bit naturally if, if that is the case. But the language is quite different, isn't it? See, if I picked up a book now, I think it would be quite complex for me because I've never seen any of the, the Trekkie stuff or any of that. It's a completely alien world to me. So it is like another universe, isn't it, really? Yeah, but I think it depends who you're reading because some of it can be quite dense and some people can get put off by science fiction in particular if it's kind of hard sci-fi that's full of, you know, sciencey stuff. But a lot of science fiction isn't. It, it's kind of more space opera or, you know, it's just a setting and it's got the same characters that any other story would have in the same kind of arcs. Um, and it should be accessible. I think some of the best, like some of my favourite stuff is comedy. Um, so I'm thinking T. Kingfisher, she does great fantasy stuff and um, the Murderbot series by Martha Wells is really good. Like it's that sounds hard sci-fi, but it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, there's loads of really fun stuff coming out all the time. And people may not expect that. I think that there is that marriage that the comedy element would play such a role in some of those books. So it's good to know that might encourage me to pick up something that I'm not used to maybe. Yeah, don't be afraid. I know I suggested that one at book club and I got all these horrified faces. It's, it's um, the Murderbot series is so fun. It's about this 
robot who is kind of always slacking off work. She's meant to be security, but she's always actually secretly watching um, a rom-com and nobody realizes like it's just silly, but it's fun and it's got good characters. So yeah, definitely recommend like I try to read as broadly as I can. I think it's good to try and read something you wouldn't normally read. Sometimes it's actually a gem. It re- and it really helps your own practice, I'm sure, as well. Yeah. So that brings me on, Quilin, to the mentorship. So how did that come about? Did you apply for it or what was the process? Yeah, so I, I'm always checking the Irish Writers' Centre website because they actually have like loads of um, information on competitions and bursaries and funding opportunities and things like that. But this is one that I think comes up, I think it's every year. And, you know, I just sent in an extract of the novel I'm working on um, and I think I am one other Kilkenny-based writer were chosen. Um, and yeah, it's it was fantastic. Like I chose, like you get kind of like a list of writers that you can choose from. Um, so I chose Oshin McGann because he's an award-winning Irish writer. He's written a lot of fantasy and sci-fi stuff, particularly YA stuff. Um, and I've, I met him face-to-face once in Dublin for 90 minutes. Basically, he ended up reviewing a 10,000 word outline of my book and then 30,000 words opening and giving me loads of feedback on it. Um, And I met him maybe four times over the course of a few months. And it just really, really helped me get it from, you know, first draft to a second draft and to get some feedback from, you know, such a great like published author is just, I can't really compare it to anything else I've done. Like any of the workshops, there's nothing really that compares quite the same. Um, it was just so invaluable. So oh, it sounds amazing. So he had it. taken your sample of your work, the, mm-hmm. the the outline and the the draft. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. He had had that for a while, and then you had the face to face meeting where he gave the feedback. Yeah. So he's basically reviewing, you know, what you're writing and kind of saying, okay, I think this works. Okay, this maybe you're moving a bit too quickly over here. Maybe you're going a bit slow. Um, you know, and just some kind of overall just tips. You know, like there are loads of little tips that you can pick up. Um, it's kind of hard when you're you know when you're working on something you're so close to it sometimes then to get somebody else who's a little bit more objective and you know they can really quickly kind of say okay this works this doesn't work you know that kind of thing Um, it's fantastic incredibly valuable without a doubt but I just wonder how it feels and I'm sure he was very sensitive in his in his critique but if, for example, he said that doesn't work, the character has got to go, or if he gave criticism like that, is it hard <laughs> to swallow when you've worked so hard to craft that person or that whatever it um, is? Sometimes I just ignore, like, you know, if you don't agree with it, um, you know, if I really love a character, he's like, that character's got to go, I'll think about it, but at the end of the day, it is up to you. Um, but other times, if I think I agree, because sometimes I think we kind of do know something's not working, but we're kind of resistant to it. But if, if somebody says it to you and you're kind of like, oh, I think they're kind of right, you're best off just changing it. Um, and at the end of the day, I do want the novel to be as good as it possibly can be. So I'm going to try and be as open as possible to feedback. And you get used to it because I'm in a writer's group as well. And you often get people, well, people often disagree as well, which is interesting. You know, you can have two people who one person who's like, oh, I love that line. And another person be like, that didn't work for me at all. You know, so it really is. You kind of have to at the end of the day, make your own decision. But obviously, because he's so, you know, he's published so many books I would be kind of taking what he says quite seriously yeah well he knows what he's talking about for sure and I guess like if I were in your writers group I wouldn't have a clue about your style of writing so to be (laughs) honest you 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 definitely shouldn't pay heed to what I'm saying just as an example so as much as a writers group can be very very valuable I think that sort of if you're going to take everything on board and not have a little bit of confidence in your own path that can be tricky yeah well I think only one or two other writers in my group 
write fantasy fiction. You know, it's kind of mix and and you'd be surprised. Um, I think there was a zoologist once and she was like, oh, you can't call that an arachnid. That's not like, you know, it's actually a spider. It's not the same thing. And I was like, oh, you know, so <laughs> people actually have really good tips. Um, yes. You know, lots of good tips, whether they read fantasy or not. So it's it's really great. But uh, one thing I would say is the one I've been doing is online. I think it's nicer sometimes if you can meet people in person. Um, so I would recommend, you know, if anyone is trying to find a writer's group to try and find a local one as well. Yes, I, I did. I was in America one summer and I kind of jumped into a writer's group just, just as something to do, a writer's group, should I say. And what I found was a little bit off-putting was that there seemed to be sort of writers that didn't appreciate one's uh, each other's work and they were a little bit mean, I thought, in how they delivered. Oh okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I haven't really had that experience yet. I think I'm lucky. It's Good. a nice writer's group, but I have heard people having that experience and either it's not the right writers group for you or that person just doesn't know how to give feedback um some you could kind of mention to them like you know that was a bit harsh or you could just let it go um it's not personal some people are just like that yes or perhaps it builds up resilience if you don't let it knock your confidence it's probably good very good for you and i want to speak about a lack you know a knock to the confidence because every single writer i've ever met will speak about the rejection and how hard it is to keep going did you have much of that when you were trying to, to get your work out there? or um, I was. Like, this is my first novel that I think I will hopefully publish. Um, but I did write one before this, my first attempt. It Like, I was delighted to finish it because, you know, the way the first time I'd never finished a whole novel before and I was really delighted myself, really proud. Um, but then when I was reading over, I was like, I don't know if this is quite good enough to send to publishers. I was a little bit disappointed and a little bit like at sea almost like I didn't really know what to do next so I just wrote a new novel <laughs> but really? like you don't have to do that though I mean I could have maybe tidied it up but um yeah and I, I mean I have kind of like entered competitions and things and, and you, you don't win and you're like ah but like really when you look at the statistics I think 90 something percent of people don't you know win it so like you're not alone and it's totally normal and eventually I think you know if you write a story that you love other people love and you will find a good home for it so the the novel that you wrote and decided wasn't didn't quite cut it. I presume it's still there to be revisited and maybe yeah, maybe worked on at a later date. Yeah, like nothing is ever wasted. I kind of consider it practice, and you know it's not a bad idea. I think my expectations of myself at the start were a bit unrealistic. You know, like it's it, it's such a huge time commitment. You're putting in so much work, and you're kind of sacrificing other things like other hobbies or you know social things, trying to make time for writing, and then you kind of want to see something at the end of it so it would be nice to have a published book at the end of it but realistically considering I'd never tried to write one before I don't know why I expected it to be you know what I mean like perfect and so that's just a learning process so you know no regrets like it's great like practice. Super but could you put a a number of hours on that novel that you think isn't quite there yet? Any not even a guesstimate? No not even a guesstimate no I mean so many hours. (laughs) Yeah if you do it piecemeal and actually probably it's not good for the head even to think about that because it's a craft and and let it let it take its own (laughs) sweet time. Yeah. Um, And so you think this novel will be published do you have a book deal do you mind me asking no nothing yet I've been I got an Artlinks Emerging Artist Bursary Award earlier this year um, and that was through Artlinks and I kind of got a notification about that from Kilkenny Arts Office you know because I'm on their mailing list and I put in for that Um, and it's fantastic it allowed me to do this course with Curtis Brown Creative over in the UK Um, Curtis Brown is um, a literary agency and it's one of the best courses I've ever done like it's quite intense um, and they kind of spend the first six weeks 
helping you edit your novel and then the second six weeks is all about pitching your novel to agents and publishers and getting your synopsis and your shout lines and your elevator pitches and all this stuff that is I haven't really ever covered in any kind of workshop before um so that's been really really exciting because I've been having loads of kind of one-to-ones um with agents with writers and then kind of zoom small group classes with publishers and editors and it's it's just yeah it was a really really good opportunity so delighted with that art links was that online that course that you did yeah that sounds amazing because again not skills you'd have even the pitch piece is is very challenging i would say absolutely and to get feedback on your pitch letter from an actual agent is just like so cool like it's not something that people are normally able to get so i mean it's been a brilliant course but it's it's very expensive i think it's nearly two thousand euro so i wouldn't have been able to do it without you know some help and some funding um but definitely i would recommend it like if you can because it's really really great it sounds super and again that's where your arts office is just so incredibly valuable even hearing about that is is i'm sure for somebody out there news and and a possibility for down the line can Mm. i ask you for two tips okay take them out of your pocket there quillen two tips for someone that's just thinking about it but hasn't quite gotten the courage to maybe apply for something or put their work in the way of somebody that might influence their future um, sure, I just think everyone should give themselves time and space to write, um, even if it's only half an hour a day or whenever you can squeeze in some time. Um, it's important. If it's important to you, you should definitely allow yourself some time to work on it, but also not be too hard on yourself because it's a learning process. And even some really famous writers say that their first drafts are terrible, <laughs> you know, and I don't think they're joking. I think that's for real. So don't be too hard on yourself, um, you know, and definitely don't, you've nothing to lose putting in for stuff. Absolutely. Super. Does your future novel have a name yet? Uh, Heroes of a Sort. Okay, well, we look out for Heroes of a Sort. Quil Nomani, thank you so much for coming in and sharing all of that wisdom with us this evening. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Unami Valdanig. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. You're very welcome back. Now it's time for our Artist in Profile segment where each week we hear from a Kilkenny-based creative this week and next. In fact, it's the turn of author Brendan Casey. Uh, Brendan's book is She That Lays Silent Like Upon Our Shore. And actually, coincidentally, he was also a winner of the Irish Writers' Centre uh, Literary Mentoring Programme. So he is uh, currently undergoing that. So it'll be interesting to find out how that is going for him. We're also going to be chatting to him and having a reading from Brendan at a later date. But for now, he shares with us how living in Inishtig has influenced his writing. My name's Brendan Casey, and I'm a writer originally from Brisbane, Australia, but currently living in Inishtig in Canicle County. Um, and being a rurally based uh, artist does definitely influence my work. I, I mean, I guess both logistically, in as far as how I work and certain strictures or strictures within which I work, but also thematically in, in what I actually produce, um, the writing that I, that I produce, um, it may not be, I guess, as obvious or present, um, in the novel that was recently published, um, which was called She That Lay Silent Like Upon Our Shore, um, which, I mean, that novel is, is, actually based on a on an island so quite different from landlocked in a steeg but um but i guess also i mean you know there there is a sense of of the geography of of um 
of inner steve that's um you know as in a lot of villages and i guess communities that uh you know they have a sense of their own um you know that they're self-contained and they have their own sort of personality um so i guess in that way i mean they they can feel like you know islands in that way and that they have their own uh, ways of working um and, and i guess there's something about even the physicality of the village itself it just has quite a, its own aesthetic and its own kind of personality and just physically that it, it sort of doesn't look so much like many of the uh the uh villages around it um so yeah i guess that there's that you know i mean although you know <laughs> obviously it's you know, if you're looking for groceries, you might want to you might want to leave in a steak, but obviously that's not exactly what I mean anyway. So nothing works completely in isolation, of course. But uh, but I mean, in the the novel that I've just gone back to to working on, which is something I started a good while ago, um, you know, that's inextricable, I guess, from from where I live and and was sort of born out of the landscape of of Innistig and and particularly Woodstock and and the Woodstock Gardens and also the woodlands that that sort of surround uh, the Woodstock Estate or, or a greater part of the Woodstock Estate. Um, you know, I, mean, I think um, it, it's sort of hard even I think to walk through there. There's just a sense of sort of story and narrative up there. Um, um, it's you know it's it's very atmospheric, I guess, and um, yeah. I mean, the, what I'm working on is is, is is fiction, you know, but there are some um, great, uh, it has its own real history. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how how much it's, it's not, you know, how aware people are of like the the ladies of Langolchlin, I think it's pronounced, it, um, it's a village in the, in the north of Wales, you know. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's a very interesting story about two women who from very well-to-do families um eleanor butler is of you know the the butler family in kilkenny and lived in in kilkenny castle and um sarah ponsonby uh she was an orphan who was adopted by the ponsonby family that uh lived in woodstock in inishtig at the time and anyway the, the, these these women fall in love and um obviously it's it's not accepted by by their families and probably by the greater community. And uh, so they decide to elope and they end up uh, uh, going to North Wales and, you know, creating a sort of a life for themselves over there and uh, become sort of a fringe part of the Enlightenment movement and, um, you know, are visited by all kinds of people, I think including sort of Wordsworth at some stage. And, you know, there's also other stories, literary stories, you know, Mary Ty, who was a poet, poet, um, who's buried in Innistig in, in the cemetery there, and uh, she was quite well known for a poem of hers called uh, Psyche, I think it was called. Um, and obviously, there's you know the, I mean the, the political history of of Woodstock, and I mean the burning of you know Woodstock House after separation, and and so there's a lot of stories uh, in Innistig. There's a lot of stories, obviously connected to you know, Woodstock and the relationship to Woodstock and, and, and the people, uh, you know, people of the village. Um, but there's just a general atmosphere of, of that place of um, kind of faded grandeur and decline. Um, and it has this kind of Gothic kind of atmosphere. And yeah, so, um, <laughs> you know, like, a, it's very much a, a long 
answer sure i mean particularly for this work that on this novel i've gone back to i mean it is it is heavily uh, indentured in, in 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 the creation of this book and also the characters you know it's a basically the the wood the woodlands particularly i guess is is sort of um the predominant relationship with, with the protagonist of the of the novel and um at least where he probably feels most comfortable and a sort of a place to retreat to, at least until he meets um, the other the other main character of the novel. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as that work is concerned, it was of vital importance and would never have come into being if I didn't live where I live. Brendan Casey there, author, telling us how living in Inishtig influences his writing. We're going to hear a little bit more from Brendan next week. But for the moment, I have a real musical treat for you this evening. Anyone who has ever attended a mass or a function of any sort in St. Leo's College in Carlow will know how wonderful their choral tradition is. And last year, they performed at the very prestigious City of Derry International Choral Festival, where they scooped a silver award not only that, but they were also awarded the Bernadette Kelly Memorial Award for Most Promising School Choir, which is just an amazing achievement. Now, I wasn't there on the night. I would love to have been. I know many of you probably were not there either, but I did get my hands on a recording from that performance. Well, they, they did two songs. This is one of the two. So here they are, the lovely ladies of St. Leo's College Chamber Choir with the gorgeous a cappella performance of The Parting Glass under the direction of their very talented teacher, Carrie McCarthy, Wintan of Ospis.
Isn't that just absolutely fabulous? St. Leo's College Chamber Choir singing the parting, the parting glass. And that was the performance that won them silver at the very prestigious Derry uh, Choir Festival last year. So a real treat, I think, this evening to hear them. Don't forget, if you want more treats, you can still text us in to be in with the chance to win the tickets to the Unthanks. They're performing in the Watergate on October 5th. So that's Thursday week. And you can text me in on 083 306 if you would like to win um, a pair of those tickets. And we also have some exciting things coming up this weekend. Um, First up, the Carlo Little Theatre Society. They're very busy and they sent us in the following details. Hello, this is Mark Craddock of Carlo Little Theatre Society. And I'd like to invite everyone to Barnstorm Theatre this weekend on Saturday and Sunday at the Home Road Club in Kilkenny City where from 8pm on each night we're performing two new plays, Locks and Loaded, which is the winner of our international one-act playwriting competition, and also Heiligenstadt, a play written by myself, and which is uh, a story about a key moment in Ludwig van Beethoven's life when he was still a young man in 1802. So a bit of information on both plays, Locks and Loaded is uh, a winner of our uh, writing competition, and it's a comedy set in New York where two old friends, Saul and Bernie, have been running a hardware store for 50 years, but then get into trouble uh, with some local mobsters and adventures ensue. Uh, with, uh, that's a two-hander with Roy Moran and Paddy Bean uh, playing the roles in it. And then we have Heiligenstadt, where Beethoven was still a young man in 1802, uh, yet to perform and uh, compose his great masterpieces. And he has a great crisis in his life, in particular around his health, uh, and his encroaching deafness. And he retreats to this small village outside Vienna, Heiligenstadt, where he faces up to his challenges. So that's directed by Deirdre Fleming with Jamie Dockery playing the role of Ludwig van Beethoven. So looking forward to seeing you this Saturday and Sunday at the Barnstorm Theatre in Kilkenny. And Mark has very kindly given us tickets to either performance, whichever you fancy, either this Saturday or Sunday in the Home Rule Club in Kilkenny. So again, 083-306-9696 if you fancy getting your hands on those tickets. I'm going to be sharing with you some other great things that are coming up around Carlo and Kilkenny over the next week, just after this. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Inami Vildanig. Brought to you thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Okay, so lots and lots happening around Kilkenny and Carlo in the art scene or on the art scene over the coming week, as there always is. First up, my choice of the night is The Sound of Animation. It explores topics like composition, voice recording, voice casting and directing and sound effects and lots, lots more. That's starting this weekend, so it's on from September 29th to October the 1st. And you can check out their website, kilkennyanimation.com, for the full festival programme. And We mentioned Barnstorm Theatre earlier on talking about the Carlo Little Theatre Society, what they're bringing to the Home Rule Club this weekend. But Barnstorm have also extended their deadline for submissions for scripts for young audiences. Um, they've extended that out to Friday, September the 29th. So you've got a few more days to perfect your submission and then you can send it in to Philip Hardy by email on philip at barnstorm.ie. So a few more days to get that in. The Watergate Theatre are looking to cast an Aladdin for the 2020 
24 Panto. Now that's on the first two weeks in January, so from the 3rd to the 7th and then from the 10th to the 14th. And the role is suited to a 17 to 25 year old with a strong singing voice, of course. And applications can be sent in to panto at watergatetheatre.com if that takes your fancy. Uh, speaking pantomime, tickets are on sale for Jack and the Beanstalk, the very first panto from Thomastown Pantomime Productions, written and directed by Mark Duffy. The pantomime is taking place in the community hall from the 16th to the 19th of November. So it's a bit away, but it might be a nice thing to get into the diary. Another thing that caught my eye was a six-week oil painting course that's starting on October the 11th. It's being run by Jade Butler and you can contact her at butlerjade at gmail.com if you fancy getting the paintbrush out. And another thing that really took my fancy was a festival called the Hidden Hearth Festival and it's described as an autumnal festival of arts, wisdom and well-being. I want all of those. I want the arts, I want the wisdom and I definitely want the well-being. That's happening on October the 14th and October the 15th in Lisnava House. I hope I pronounced that properly. I probably haven't. But it is you can either go for one day or for both days I think and if you go on to lisnava.com you will find Uh, tickets and more information on that. We're coming a little bit closer to home here Uh, in the Watergate. On Thursday evening, there's a showing of the French crime comedy. Not two drones that we generally put together, but the French can do whatever they want. And that is called The Innocent. That's a really great uh, little film club that the Watergate have going. It's only seven euro. And for my money, there is no French film that's ever been made that is not worth seeing. You'll always take something from it. Uh, Moving then to the visual, there are some interesting looking exhibitions starting on the 30th that's this coming Saturday. So if you have a look on the visual website you'll get more detail on those and on Sunday, October the 1st, there is a concert at 3pm. It's Sweet Caroline. So that is a tribute to the great artist Neil Diamond. It's called the, the Neil Diamond Story. Sweet Caroline, the Neil Diamond Story. So 3pm, nice and early on Sunday, you'll be home for the tea if you fancy that. Now, I always like to take a look at what is happening on um, or what happened rather on this date musically and in terms of the um, poems or plays, etc. And something Fabulous was uh, released in the UK on this day in 1969. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLOR with Unami Valdainig. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLOR with Unami Valdainig.